Have you ever wondered why you were created? Why did God make you? Have you ever wondered what your purpose or mission in life was? Well, let me tell you that God didn't create you with nothing in mind. I'm just going to make so-and-so and let them do whatever they want to do. No, he created each and every one of us with a purpose in mind. In fact, the Bible tells us that before you were created, God had a plan for every day of your life. Amazing, isn't it? But that plan does not automatically get followed by us. Unless we discover what the plan is and with God's help follow his plan. Our current message here is entitled Following Jesus. You know, when Jesus called his disciples, what did he do? He, he called to them and said two simple words. He said, follow me. Follow me. In fact, the first verse we want to look at is from Matthew 4.19. You can follow along in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline there. And he, that's Jesus, said to them, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So in order for us to discover our calling, in order for us to discover our purpose in life, our mission in life, we need to follow Jesus. He's the one who knows what our purpose in life is. And as we follow him, we'll discover that purpose. In this verse, Jesus tells us that if we follow him, he'll make us fishers of men. We don't have to become fishers of men in order to follow Jesus. We simply follow him and he will do a work in and through our lives that's going to impact other people. So, What does it mean to follow Jesus? In Jesus' day, the disciples were following him as a human being. He went walking down the road and they followed him down the road. We can't do that anymore, can we? We don't see Jesus. Uh, he's not here physically. He's still alive. He's seated in heavenly places. But we can't follow him in the same way. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, and of course, if we follow Jesus, we're going to love him, you will keep my commandments. And so if we are following Jesus, we're going to obey what he instructs us to do. We're going to follow his commands. Secondly, Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. And so to follow Jesus is not only to love him, it's also to believe in him. And if we believe in him, what are we going to do according to Jesus? We're going to do the same works that he did. And what are those works? Well, Jesus told us. It's the supernatural things that he did. He healed the sick. He cast demons out of people. He preached the good news of the gospel. Those are the things that we will do as well. Now, many people believe, well, that's not possible, Pastor Dan. Don't you understand that Jesus was the Son of God? I'm not the Son of God. You're not the Son of God. So how could we possibly do the same things that he did? They argue that since he was the Son of God, we do not have the same power. Well, we just read a verse that 
dispels that argument, doesn't it? Because Jesus himself said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. Now, how could that possibly happen? Why can we do the same things that Jesus did? Jesus said, John 5, 19, very very truly, I tell you, the Son, speaking of himself, can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. You see, when Jesus came to this earth, and we don't have time to completely unpack it this morning, when Jesus came to this earth, he laid down his power. He he still was God, but he laid down his supernatural power. He laid down his glory that he had in heaven. And he chose to walk this planet as a human being. He died as a human being. He walked this earth as you and I do. He was still God, but he became a man with human limitations, the same limitations we have. So how then could Jesus work these supernatural miracles that we read about in the Gospels? He did the supernatural miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that a couple Sundays ago when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him, gave him the power of the Spirit to carry out his ministry. And it was only after he was anointed by the Spirit that he began to do the supernatural things that God had planned for his life. That was his mission. And so the same power of the Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus is available to you and me today. And so today we're going to talk about Jesus' mission, your mission. So after Jesus was baptized, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He was empowered by the Spirit to carry out his mission. We're going to continue on. We're going through the Gospel of Luke. We're going to continue on today and talk about that mission, how Jesus described his mission, because what I'm proposing to you that the Bible says is that Jesus' mission is your mission. Jesus' mission is our mission. In Luke chapter 4, we read that Jesus came to Nazareth, the town of Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was the city in which he had been raised by his mother and his father, Mary and Joseph. And Jesus, at this point, was 30 years old. He had been trained by his father to be a carpenter. He hadn't done anything miraculous, anything supernatural for all those years. And so he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath in Nazareth. He picked up a scroll, the scroll from the prophet Isaiah, and he began to read. And here is what he read. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so Luke is telling us that this is Jesus' mission in life. This is what he came to do. He begins by saying that the Spirit was upon him, the Spirit was anointing him. And so Jesus is saying right at the beginning that I am functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he lists five things that summarize his mission. First of all, he was to proclaim the good news or the gospel to the poor. Who are the poor? 
The poor are people who are in need one way or another. They may be in need physically. They may be in need spiritually. They may be in need emotionally. Jesus came to bring healing to those who were poor, those who recognized they were poor, and those who looked to Jesus. Next, Jesus came to bring liberty to the captives. Captives refer to people who were enslaved by demonic powers. Next Sunday, we're going to see how Jesus brought liberty or freedom to those kind of people. He came to bring recovery of sight to the blind. And this refers to all of Jesus' healing ministry. Yes, he brought sight to blind people, but he healed people of all kinds of afflictions as we read through the gospel. He brought healing to those in need of being free from illnesses. He freed those who were oppressed. He brought freedom to people who were oppressed by external circumstances and other things. And finally, he was to announce that the time of God's grace had arrived. The time in which to believe in him, the time in which to be forgiven, had finally come because he, as the Messiah, had come. And as we go through the book of Luke, we see how all of these things that Jesus read from the prophet Isaiah were fulfilled in and through his life. So Jesus himself said to the people listening to him, verse 21, he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, this passage in Isaiah referred to the coming Messiah who would bring about freedom to those who believed in him. And so Jesus' ministry now that was beginning was the breaking in of the kingdom of God into the world as the Messiah awaited for hundreds, not thousands of years, had finally, had finally come. Now there is one difference, well there are many differences, but one of the main differences between Jesus and us is that he lived a sinless life. And the Bible makes it clear that none of us have lived a sinless life. Jesus lived a sinless life. And that enabled him to break the power of sin and the power of Satan by dying on the cross. That our sins might be forgiven. Because we did not live or do not or never have lived a sinless life. And he rose from the dead and he's alive today. And Jesus... As he ascended into heaven, and even in his ministry on earth, he began to pass his mission, his ministry, to his followers, to his disciples. And we see in the Gospels how he began to teach them, how to train them to do the same things that he did in his ministry. And that mission was passed on, not only to his, the twelve, disciples or apostles that we talk about, but to the 70 and ultimately to the whole church in the book of Acts. The same mission that Jesus had was passed on. Now, what was the response to the people as Jesus talked to them about his mission? Verse 22, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. So the first response was that. That sounds really good. Here's this carpenter, and man, he's, he's really talking differently than a carpenter. He's talking like God is with him, that he's going to do great things. 
He's going to bring healing. He's going to bring freedom. All the things that we long for. But then it says, and they said, is this not Joseph's son? You see, this was Nazareth. This was the place where Jesus was raised. They had known him for 30 some years. And of course, the story was that Jesus was a legitimate son of Joseph. Because Mary had seemingly got pregnant before they were married. So they had some questions about this Jesus. How could he possibly do those things? How could he be the Messiah? He's just simply a carpenter. And so we see the beginning of this opposition, this resentment to Jesus right at the very beginning of his mission, the beginning of his ministry. We're going to talk about that more later. First of all, we want to talk about how Jesus' mission is our mission. You see, Jesus came to this earth to bring about salvation and to raise up an army of followers who would continue to carry out his mission. So we want to think about how we as believers, as followers of Jesus, can carry out his mission in our lives. We talked about God creating us. Now God created you, he created me to live in a particular time in history. I'm glad he created us to live in a day where there's electricity, indoor heating, air conditioning, internet. You know, we could have been born in the year 1000. Our lives would be very, very different, would they not? But he created us to be born in this century. And he created us to be born in a particular place. Now, I know you all weren't born in St. Louis, but you are here now. And he, some of you have moved. Some of you have moved a long ways to be here. But yet you are been placed and God has guided your life to live in a certain part of the world. And as he's done that, created us to live in a certain time in a certain place, he's put us in the different circles of relationships. And each of our circles here today, they may overlap. But each of us has different relationships than even the person sitting next to you. He's called us to different jobs. We have different families. We live in different neighborhoods. And each of us has a particular circle of influence. There are people that we have relationships with, people that we have influence with. And in that circle of relationships, you are to share the good news about Jesus. That is part of your mission in life. To share the gospel. To share the good news. Into your life will come those who are captives. Those who are oppressed by various things. Those who have battled with different addictions. And your mission is to show them the way to freedom in Christ. You know, each of our lives will come many opportunities to bring healing to the sick. They're all around us. In case you haven't figured it out, doctors can't cure everything, can they? 
many things they can't cure. We need God's healing power. God wants to work through us to bring healing to people through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Where there is conflict and hatred and animosity between people, God calls us to bring peace and love through the Holy Spirit to the relationships and the people around us. And God has uniquely equipped you to do that in a particular place and a particular time in which you are now living. And so your mission, our mission in life, is to carry out Jesus' mission to our world. Let's talk a little more about who our mission is to. Your mission, our mission, is to the poor. Our story continues in verse 23. And he, that is Jesus, said to them, to the people in the synagogue that he had been preaching to, he said, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Now as we talked about it, it seems to me that the friends and neighbors of Jesus didn't really look up to him. They didn't respect him. Uh, it really was obviously no fault of Jesus. But they'd known him for 30 years. He'd never really done anything out of the ordinary. And that was about to change. Now, apparently at this time, not recorded in Luke, but in the other Gospels, Jesus had done a lot of miracles already in the nearby town of Capernaum. And the people in Nazareth had heard about it. But Mark chapter 6 tells us that Jesus could not do many miracles in Nazareth, his hometown. Why? Because of their unbelief. They didn't really believe that he could do anything supernatural, and so he didn't in their town. They didn't have faith. They were not the poor in spirit that Jesus could help. And the same is true for us. We are called to help the poor, those with needs, but they have to be people who believe, people who have faith that God can meet their needs. Those that do not reach out to God, we can't help. And neither could Jesus. Jesus said in verse 24, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up, three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a, a woman who was a widow. Now, the Jews of Jesus' day thought they were very special. They didn't have much need of anything. They were the, the uh, people of God. Everybody else was not the people of God. The Gentiles were not the people of God. In particular, the, Jews, the Jews of Nazareth uh, really didn't believe that Jesus could or would help them. And so Jesus tells this, them a story, an account from the Old Testament about Elijah the prophet. Now in the days of Elijah, the people of Israel were not people of great faith. They had fallen away from God. And so 
there was a great famine that came over the land. And the prophet Elijah did not work this miracle in the land of Israel. Instead, he went to a Gentile city outside of Israel, and there he found a woman, a widow, who believed that God could help her. I won't go into the whole story, but he multiplied her food miraculously, her flour and her oil, and she was fed until the famine was over. A wonderful miracle. Jesus goes on to give another example in verse 27. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. So here was another prophet, Elisha, but his healing of a leper did not happen in Israel again. It, he healed a Gentile from Syria. And so Jesus was saying his mission is to those who have faith. His mission is to those who are going to believe in him. His mission is to the poor who recognize that they are poor. And so what is, how does this apply to us? What does Jesus point to us? Well, first of all, Jesus' mission and our mission is the people of every nation. I mean, we're not just simply called to people who were born and raised in the United States. We're called the people of every nation. Our mission is to those who are in need and those who recognize they have a need and will respond in faith. Oftentimes, our mission is the people who are not just like us. You see, the prophets were called the people very different than who they were. And we have a tendency to just want to hang around people who are just like us. But God has called us on our mission to reach out to people who are not just like us oftentimes. People who may have come from a different place. People who have different ideas. People who may, who may be a different color. People who may have a different economic situation. Our mission is to the poor that God calls us to reach. No matter who they are. No matter where they've come from. Now, the poor doesn't necessarily mean financially poor. It could be people who are financially poor. But those who are in need of one kind or another. And that God has brought that need to our attention in our lives. So think about the people in your life. Are there any that are poor? Are there any that are in need? They might not be Financially poor, but they might be in need in another area. I believe there are people in need in each of our lives around us, if we would have eyes to see. They are the ones that we should be praying for. Those are the ones we should be seeking to help through the power of the Spirit. Now, what about us? Are we ever in need? Yeah, we are, right? We are in need sometimes as well, in one area of life or another. And sometimes, obviously we can pray for our own need, but God has created us to be a community, a, a church family where we help one another. None of us is to be independent and have it all together. We all need others to help us in our times of need. And so when you are in need of one kind or another, I strongly encourage you to reach out to your church family that we can pray for you, that we can help you, and God then will meet the need as we do that. Oftentimes, 
We may not know what you're going through unless you tell somebody, unless you tell us. So be sure to reach out and tell us and we will pray and believe God to meet your need because our mission as a church family is to the poor, both within our church family and without our church family. Now, your mission will be opposed. Wish it was not this way, but it, it is. Verse 28, when they, these are the people in the synagogue listening to Jesus preaching, heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. I thought I just read they were, thought he was doing, talking amazingly. They liked everything he said. But now, just a few minutes later, they became angry at him. They didn't like the things that he was saying about them. They particularly didn't like these stories about the prophets going to the Gentiles. Jesus was telling them that Israel had rejected the prophets in the past. And they were going to reject Jesus as a whole. They didn't like him telling that. And rather than taking his words to heart, rather than saying we're not going to be like that, rather than repenting, they became angry because Jesus was challenging their attitudes. And this all happened in, in a matter of minutes, apparently, in the same occasion on the Sabbath. This was not just a simple disagreement. It was not them being a little bit upset. We're going to see that this was like a, a murderous, demonic fury that came upon these people in the synagogue. Verse 29, they rose up and drove him out of the town, brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Wow. Um, <clears throat> the crowd had gone from praising Jesus to wanting to kill him. This was a foretaste of the anger that would be unleashed on Jesus at his crucifixion. And so Jesus' mission, it was just beginning. But yet, there was opposition already. But it didn't, it didn't uh, stop Jesus' mission, did it? He simply passed through their midst. God protected him. And no one laid a hand on him. So in the Gospel of Luke, this is the first occasion of people opposing Jesus' mission. It will not be the last. And so Jesus' mission was opposed. And when we carry out, when you carry out Jesus' mission, you're going to be opposed as well. So don't be surprised. It's going to happen. So where does this opposition come from? <clears throat> well, the opposition comes and is orchestrated by the devil. And his purpose is to stop the mission that you're on from proceeding. Stop you from carrying out that mission. But however, like Jesus, we need to keep on, not be stopped, because God is going to protect us. Now, if you're <clears throat> experiencing no opposition in your life, it's a warning sign that you might not be following Jesus close enough. Because if you follow Jesus closely, there is going to be opposition. There are going to be people who don't agree with the things you're saying. Who don't like the things you're doing. It's going to happen. 
Opposition of all kinds is an indication that you are making a difference in your world and you have got the devil's attention. And that's a good thing. Because the devil is pushing back, but God is stronger. So what kind of opposition can we, can we uh, may we encounter? Well, people will disagree with some of the things you say. They're going to think it's not right, or it's wrong, or it's intolerant, or some other name they're going to call it. People may not like some of the things you do. They're going to say it's wrong or you shouldn't do that. They may directly talk to you or they may gossip. They may tell other people about you to stay away from you or you may lose some friends, virtual friends or even real friends. But Jesus tells us elsewhere that what are we to do when we're opposed? What are we to do when we are persecuted? cry. He said, you're to rejoice because Jesus was persecuted. The prophets are persecuted and anybody who seeks to follow Jesus is going to be persecuted or opposed in one way or another. So don't be surprised. Your mission will be opposed. And so God desires for each of us to understand that that Jesus mission, the mission that Jesus had is basically the same mission that each one of us as believers has. And we can carry out God's mission for our lives through the power of the Spirit in the place and the circumstances that God has placed us in. Our mission is to the poor, people who have needs, and people who recognize that they have a need and want help. We are to seek to bring God's healing to the people around us. They're hurting people all around us. We need to have eyes to see that they're hurting and a heart of love and compassion to bring Jesus' healing into their lives. And as we carry out our mission, there's going to be opposition. Some might be mild, and some may be tougher. Thankfully, at this point in our country, we don't face being thrown in jail for spreading the gospel. Other countries, that is part of the opposition. But the opposition that we receive, no matter what it is here, is a sign that we are on track with the mission that God has for us. And God is going to protect us. Each of us was created to carry out God's mission. Each of us has been placed by God in a time, in a place, that we are perfectly suited to fulfill the mission that God has for us. And as we carry out that mission, God's kingdom will be expanded and we will be blessed in every aspect of our lives. Now the first step to following Jesus is to believe in him, is to begin following Jesus. If you've never become a follower of Jesus today, if you're here today in person or you're watching online Here's how you become a follower of Jesus. You first of all admit that you've sinned. And sin is basically doing the things that you want to do, not the things that God calls you to do. You need to admit or repent of that sin, turn away from that sin, ask Jesus to forgive you, believe that he died on the cross that you might be forgiven. He rose from the dead and committing your lives to following him 
as your Lord and Savior. So I'd like to ask everyone right now to bow their heads. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'd encourage you to pray along with me if you've never prayed a prayer like this before or if you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus this morning. Say, Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've not, I've not been carrying out your mission, your plan for my life. Please forgive me. I repent. I turn away from that, from that sin and I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he's alive today and I commit myself to following him as my Lord and Savior. And let's pray as well. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for helping us to better understand Jesus' mission, what he came to this earth to do. And we thank you that Jesus' mission is our mission as well. Help us to believe that you have empowered us to carry on Jesus' mission in our world, in our time. Help us not to shrink back from that. Help us to have eyes that see the poor around us, the needy around us, those who need your touch in one way or another, those who are lost, those who are hurting, those who need deliverance, or those who need to find freedom. And God, we pray that you would guide us, Lord, to be able to minister to those people through the power of your Spirit. To see your kingdom come into their lives. Lord, we pray that you would prepare us for the opposition that's going to arise. As we grow in carrying out your mission. Thank you for your protection that's upon us. May we not stop. May we not back down when there is opposition. But may we continue to believe in you. And continue to reach out into our world. With the truth of the gospel. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've made a commitment or a recommitment of your life today, I'd like to ask you to check a box on the back of your Connect card so we can pray for you. And you can place that in the basket in the foyer when you leave. We have startup studies in the New Believers New Testament on the table out there. They're free. We encourage you to pick those up. Next Sunday, we're going to continue in our series, Following Jesus, with the message which I've entitled, The Healing Power of the Spirit. And we're going to see how Luke describes Jesus beginning his mission and bringing healing into his world. Now we're going to have a brief time of prayer for healing right here. We're going to be praying for physical healing. Emotional healing, spiritual healing. Pray for those who are here this morning and those that you know in your life that are not here that have a need for healing as well. Our verse this morning is from Matthew 14. It says, And when the men of that place recognized him, that's Jesus, they sent around to all the region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment and as many as touched it 
were made, were made well. So here we have an example of Jesus healing the sick. Now, how did the sick get healed here? Well, they heard the story that Jesus healed. And then they had to come. They had to come to Jesus and they had to reach out to touch the fringe of his garment. And as they did, in that act of faith, they were healed. So there's an important lesson for us today. We're going to pray for all the sick. And as, as we pray, you need to reach out to God in your heart, either for yourself or for those that you are praying for. And as you do, God is going to work. God is going to move. So I'd like us now, before we pray, if you need healing in your own body, in your own life, or you know someone in your circle of influence that needs healing, I'd like to ask you to raise your hand as an act of faith that you are going to pray along with me for God to move in that situation. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you that he healed the sick when he was here on this earth, and we thank you that he continued that ministry by the Holy Spirit through his church. And that ministry is still active today with the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is here today. And so we ask, in the name of Jesus, we reach out that you would bring your healing touch into the life of every person who's raised their hand and the lives of the people that they are thinking about that need your healing touch this morning. We ask for miracles to happen. We ask for things to happen that's beyond our understanding, God. We pray that you would draw people to yourself as you demonstrate that you are alive, that you are working, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. And we'll continue to pray until we see your power touch the lives that you've put us near. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.